This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, we review the Tim Burton film Beetlejuice on the Shift AV Club. And uh, are you a teddy bear or a shark? Maybe a turtle, fox, owl? What personality type are you in conflict and solving conflict? Our guest, Sam Carr, reader in education with psychology and Center for Death and Society at the University of Bath in the UK, helps us understand from his article, Your Conflict Strategy. He helps us make difficult conversations easier by identifying our default way of being. And it's really cool stuff. And are you okay with cats? And by cats, I mean lions, big ones, roaming free, in fact. It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Um, Okay, let's get started. Ryan O'Donnell and the Shift AV Club. Let's do it, friends. It's tiny wheel time. It's the Shift AV Club. Hit it, Jono. The tiny wheel actually does have movies. It's so cute. No one seems to mind. This is the time of the week where we get together and review a movie that we watched that you picked. And while I was gone, you unintentionally picked one of Steve Stebbing's favorite films. It's the one, the only, Beetlejuice. Adam and Barbara are ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving. They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic. So they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Who's no ordinary ghost. Yeah, you don't want his help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? I think it's excellent. Well done, Shiftheads. You picked well. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I can sum up this movie perfectly from one memory I have as a kid. I remember seeing it when I was about 11 or 12 years old, and I understood that it was a bit spooky, and yet I didn't want to stop watching because it looks pretty, it was hilarious, and it also has moments that are a little, ooh, and it holds up so well. I think it's carried by the performances, obviously like Alec Baldwin, but like it's Michael Keaton who brings this movie to an upper echelon of 90s Tim Burton goodness. Uh, It's pretty fantastic. It was very delightfully refreshing to see it. Kind of forgot about some of the actors and characters that were in the show. Like, I forgot about the art designer, the decor guy, the paranormal guy. Um, I forgot about those characters. I also forgot about the renovations they did to the house. So it was nice to see those things. Um, Thoroughly enjoyed the music in the show. I mean, it was fun to watch. I mean, it's dated, but just reminded by Michael Keaton... Uh, being so talented now steve that you said and i was also curious because this is one of steve's favorite movies probably mm-hmm. a crush on young winona rider because that was young steve with a crush on young winona rider back then <laughs> but the um tell me about it one of your favorite movies of all time uh, i mean i will also say that i ha- ha- had and still have a deep love for gina davis as well mm-hmm. um i think she's one of my favorite uh actresses of that 80s and 90s era um but this is I would say that this is Tim Burton's greatest film that he's ever made. This is the this is the the top of his oeuvre. Um, and it's sad because it's so early in his in his directing career. Um, but this uh, this movie satisfies every time. I mean, this cast, we already mentioned Michael Keaton, Gina Davis, a winner writer, but Alec Baldwin, Catherine O'Hara, like Canadian legend. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeffrey Jones is in this one. Uh, Robert Goulet is in this film. 
at one point. Uh, I mean, it, it's just an insane cast. Um, the art direction is just out of this world. It is so well done and so well constructed. The production design, the costumes, the makeup, uh, which actually won an Academy Award. Um, and I have the 4K version of this, and it's just glorious. Um, and I, you know, I'm such a geek for Beetlejuice. I even watched the animated series that aired in the 90s for it as wow. well. Yeah, there corny. was an actual series. You can look it up. I forgot how they died when the movie started. I was yeah. like, I forget how they died, mm-hmm. right? I couldn't, I couldn't put the pieces together. So it was really, uh, 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 I really enjoyed rediscovering, if mm-hmm. you will, um, you know what that looked like and why it, why it was that way. It, so there's a lot of cool scenes. I, one of the things that really stuck out to me from remembering from the very beginning is when they dug Beetlejuice's grave, and how it was the f- spiky foam. And then how it was the cardboard, right? And the filler and all these different things. That one always stuck with me, even from the very beginning. And I was like, oh, right. I remember it now. That, I mean, that was some of the creative parts that I think that really made the whole movie stand out. Absolutely. And I think it was the first time that I was aware of Purgatory. Like, huh. when I first watched it, I was like, what is this? What is this waiting room? What's going oh, on you, here? Yeah. And the, where the dead people die? Yeah. That was one. Yeah, right. The only thing so like... they didn't explain in the movie to me where um, when they were crumbling at the end when he did the hex, when the designer guy did the hex on them and they were crumbling. Yeah. I mean, they didn't really explain what happened to them and when they were going. I thought it would have been that was the only thing I took away was like it would have been nice if somebody said if if you don't save them, they're going to they're going to die from being dead or something. Right. Like I thought that would have been a nice connector unless I missed it or just be erased in like spirit and soul wise too, yeah. just gone. Just put. Yeah. 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 Shrinking head was pretty good. I was shocked about how yes. okay it was to be that to be that handsy in the eighties. <laughs> um lots of jokes about suicide. Probably don't mm. get away with that so much anymore. Um but yeah, there was like in just just kissing Gina Davis was wild. Like just out of the blue, yeah. right? And again, and again, <laughs> and again, right? That was good stuff. Steve Stebbing, thanks for being here, brother. Thanks for having me. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you a shark or are you a teddy bear? What kind of person are you? Well, I think we fancy ourselves to be one or the other, but I don't think we actually fancy it that way. I think that we think of it like, I'm a shark, mostly because we don't want to be a teddy bear. And I'll be curious to hear your thoughts because sometimes we're a teddy bear because I just don't want to be a shark. I don't want to be that guy. So conflict, conflict resolution and overcoming arguments, fights, disagreements, Fred's family, loved ones, uh, your most favorite human in the world. What do you uh, what do you do there? What's actually happening? This is the conversation. This is really cool. Literally from the conversation dot com is where we found it. Uh, Sam Carr joins us here. Sam is uh, all the way over in the UK. And uh, where what city are you in, Sam? I am in Bath. I'm a city city oh, of actually- Bath. Yep. You're actually in Bath. Okay. I'm actually um, there, yep. Okay. A reader in Education and Psychology, Center for Death and Society, University of Bath. Try to send it properly because we Canadians, <laughs> eh? Yeah. University of Bath. Mm-hmm. Sounds way less, I don't know, classy the way we say it. You, you say it, it sounds classy. <laughs> I like that. Um, tell me about yourself, Sam. How'd you get into this? Is it the psychology end of it? Is the, uh, yeah. uh, how does this land for you? Um, really, I guess I'd describe myself as a kind of scholar of human relationships so 
that can lead you into all kinds of different areas. And um, things that I'm interested in would be things like love, things like death, things like loss, things like loneliness, and things like conflict. Anything that's kind of got a, a central role in human relationships, that's what I'm interested in studying, researching, thinking about, teaching. Um, yeah, so it fits my, my remit quite well. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Um, well, forget about Shark or Teddy. I would call you my lobster bro then because that's all <laughs> stuff that I love. Okay. Right. Um, this is good. Okay. So here we are, conflict resolution. And quite often we forget about the sort of dichotomy of the pendulum, the tug of war of life. For me, it's always about the words that dance together as a fan of language. Shocker, guy on the radio. Um, so when we talk about love... You know, it's that one of those very special, unique places that we um, that we always try to land in. But when we talk about conflict, we often get into this place of, you know, agree and disagree. Well, I like you. I don't like you. Um, we're fighting. We're not fighting. Like, well, you know what I mean? Like we we get along. We fight. You know, those words they have. It's much like left, right, up, down. Um, these are the words that that dance with each other always. So um, is this what we're looking at with with conflict and and Teddy's and sharks sort of dancing their way to figure this out yeah i mean i think that what you just said there is really interesting to me in the sense that it's interesting what people think conflict means and i think we tend to think that we only notice or recognize or identify something as conflict when you see something like a fight going on or or some kind of explosion but it can mm. be very quietly um unspoken conflict and silent sometimes and so uh, it's not always easy to identify but i think the classic sort of definition of it would be when your when your goals um are at odds with somebody else's um oh. however, however that may that might be manifested and that doesn't always look oh. like a, like a big explosion and sometimes yeah. it looks like nothing and you wouldn't even know um but oh, in absolutely. but inside the people are quite are quite affected by the conflict yeah yeah, absolutely quite affected by conflict. Okay, well, let's 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 change that. Let's turn that around then. I always say uh, change mm -hmm. the words, mm -hmm. change the outcome. So we are talking about conflict. Now, we might, like you said, inflamed, explosive, um, sometimes violent. I mean, they, sure. they, the media, when you see the conflict in Iraq, that's what comes to mind for me when there was, you know, war there. You know, these are things, but conflict happens all the time. So conflict, the way you're describing it, I hear it as breakdown. I hear it as roadblock. I hear it as friction. I hear it as hurdle. Uh, you could even get super mindful and hippy dippy about it and say, you know, you're just not in your flow. Um, so does that out of uh, out of agreement is also different than disagreement, distinctly different. Mm -hmm. So does that feel more like a an more true look at conflict? Yeah, I think so. I think, And I think as we live our day-to-day -day lives, we will encounter those things you just mentioned multiple times um, as a kind of given. It's like one of the fundamental parts of relational life, I think, is that we, we will encounter that, won't we? And um, That happened to me just this morning. I'll give a specific example that I yeah. would never have thought it was conflict. So I live in a townhome, so all mm. attached. And the guy two doors down, he's a strange cat. Like, he's just strange dude anyway he comes up and he's like uh somebody put their trash bag in front of my garage and they're not going to take the trash now because there's too many bags you see we're allowed two trash bags a week mm -hmm. for pickup and 
so he has was creating this dramatic response to a situation where it really didn't matter. They're not a first. They don't typically make a big deal about it. I mean, if you showed up with 10 bags, they'd make a big deal about it. Turns out he only had one anyway. Um, but he created conflict in that moment. My reaction inside me was, ugh, not again. Just that kind of neighbor. So I would never have thought of that as conflict. But when I give it the space of being conflict, I almost can realize, oh, okay, that's what was happening. And then I resolved it. Mm. Hmm. I yeah. don't think we just give it the validity, right? Yeah, sure. And, and I'm interested to know what your what your strategy was in terms of, in terms of resolving that. Uh, sure, I can, since we're get it right in everybody's lap, because this is a great example of just real life happening. Mm. Um, th- uh, so first of all, I tried to ease his mind in the situation because he was trying to use a public garbage can to put the gar- the bag in and it wasn't going to fit. So I was like, you know, you could just put it by, you just put it out back. It'll be fine. He was like, really? I said, well, yeah, they're not going to worry about it. There's enough houses back there. It's not like they're going to count two, four, six, eight. Okay, that's too many bags. Somebody's bag doesn't go today. And I said, besides, my bags are small. Go put one next to my bag, and I'm sure it'll be fine. Mm. Oh, okay. And then he did that and kind of muttered to himself and walked away. Now, turns out when I walked outside, he put two bags next to mine. So I guess I didn't resolve it completely, but the problem was resolved because then I had another reaction where I was, you know, I sort of cursed grr and, um, and then went about my day. Mm. So, yeah. So it sounds like in, in that situation, you at least made it very clear that you did care about his concerns and had heard them, um, which, which can be quite important, I think, which, which you wouldn't find in a shark, for example, who would just mm-hmm. kind of completely attack the other person's position. It sounds right. like you had some empathy for his. Yep. I did have an emotional reaction of, oh, this is so stupid and such a waste of time. Mm. So I will just at least to share with everybody that, you know, inside, I'll yeah. honor that, that moment of this was inconvenient for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt it to be silly. So I, I, I did condescend his notion but to him, I did share, I guess, the space for him to allow what he thought was important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's fair enough. I mean, that gets a great example right into everybody's lap of what simple conflict you said. We go through it multiple times a day. Mm. Um, so what what other some some other examples, Sam, where you see conflict that we might not give it credit? I think there can be many times, for example, in romantic relationships where your partner does something that inflamed you on some level uh whatever it, it could be many 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 things um I'm trying to think some of my own re- of my own recent examples um it might be simply that well i was speaking to a friend today who was really angry that uh her partner sent a text message to an ex for example mm. she she was really 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 angry at that uh, he felt because they they shared a dog together. He had a right. Him and his ex shared a dog together. He had a right to communicate with her. So immediately they clash on, on that simple mm-hmm. relational issue. But it was a hot button um, for both of them, mm-hmm. and uh, it turned into a shark frenzy by the sound. But by the sounds of it, um, both people attacking each other's position very little um, empathy going on from either side and it and it turned into a big blazing um blazing argument um yeah, that so yeah, that, fear fear's crazy that way and that kind <laughs> of thing just came out of nowhere she didn't expect it um it just okay. just sort of suddenly reared its head 
so now that situation, if I'm reading your information correctly, I hear that's a shark versus shark scenario versus a shark versus a teddy. So yeah. I guess if we cross pollinate the notions of a shark or a teddy, you have yeah. a shark shark, you could have a teddy teddy yep. and you could have a teddy shark. Yes. So tell me about that. Exactly. And I think um, in that particular situation, it just so happened that both people reacted like sharks. And the only thing that matters to them in that situation is this strong emotional attachment to their position. But um, And no one's giving up their goals. And their goal is to attack the other one's goal um, at all costs, destroy that right. goal. But if you've got a shark teddy, well, the teddy's objective is to, it tends to be a self-sacrificing self-sacrificing sorry position um where the other's goal takes priority over yours and so yours will very easily get eaten by a shark mm -hmm. um, and you'll very quickly give over the position but that doesn't always have to come without consequence so you may feel a lot of resentment for the fact that you gave up Oof. your position yeah, especially in those romantic partners those long-term relationships grandfathers fathers moms uncles you know they walk into the family dinner and they immediately start sharking on everybody for everything yeah sure and i think if you think about if that if that's a pattern then the cumulative effect of that over time can be a lot of built-up resentment um mm. that some people can hold for an incredibly long time but again it, it does erode them from the inside yeah, and it may resignation be, the most dangerous of the things? Maybe. Uh, but, and it may not be true that all sharks attack without consequence to them. There may be guilt uh, later at the fact that you, without thinking, um, gave no concern for the other person's position and actually maybe wounded them or in your attack. Later, you might feel quite a lot of guilt at that, but it's too late at, at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, there are more, there are more animals. You're not just a shark or you're not just a teddy bear in this notion. Uh, it does expand into turtles and more. So tell me about the sort of the other personality types of uh, resolving conflict that you've sort of discovered. Yeah, we've done the, the kind of uh, sharks and the teddy, but um, then there's the, the, the idea of the turtle and that model essentially suggests that people withdraw so really, in the end, you know, it's the sort of person who who clams up, leaves the room or doesn't talk to you again or sort of stonewalls you. Um, and neither their goals nor yours really get resolved in that sense. The conflict doesn't get resolved and there's no communication over it either. It's, it's basically a withdrawing strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and in, in the literature, there's there's the, there's the notion of the fox, which is a kind of, you, I would kind of call it a sort of obsession with compromise. I, I have to give something and you have to give me something back, as in we have to both compromise to some degree or I won't be happy with the resolution. Even if us both compromising in the end results in nothing particularly useful, we might both lose out. Yeah. Um, but there's just this obsession with a compromise on both parts. And then there's the final owl, which is, you might think you meet on first look is like the desirable notion um, of the idea is I want to, I want to solve this problem collaboratively and right. reach the most amicable solution we can. But sometimes that can come at incredible costs, as in it can take an, a heck of a lot of time and effort to do that with somebody who's a shark, for example. Um, if you're an owl and you're patiently sitting there trying every which way you can to solve this problem with somebody who's not 
going to do it, that might take an enormous amount of psychic and social energy and effort. Mm -hmm. And sometimes is that worth it is, is what some of the literature suggests. Um, yeah. That's interesting because you, I hear many people say things like my, my social battery is empty now. Right. And I just made that connection to it's possible that that's what somebody's feeling in even just a social environment that they're constantly navigating some of these either avoidant types that, you know, are hiding from it like a turtle or these overbearing types like a shark or, and I'm the, the sort of the skittish, not really get to the point types of the Fox, right? Exactly that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that could be exhausting. I, I hear that. The, but are, are we all things all the time or do we dance between these sort of boxes you have everybody in? And I think that's a really good question. And, um, it's been given a lot of thought. My my gut feeling is we've all got a sort of latent shark, teddy, turtle, fox, and owl inside us. Um, mm -hmm. And it could be activated depending on many things. We may have a dominant style. And if we are in a romantic relationship with somebody, we may set a normal pattern and rhythm. But I think it would depend on many things like the the conflict what's it over if it's something like i was talking about today the the sort of text message from an ex that may be a hot button for both of those people and it may really activate the shark but they might not be like that at work if something more mundane and less sort of emotionally loaded crops up yeah. uh, so it may depend on the problem the conflict um the person the other person's style so my gut feeling is we could all be any of these yeah i I kind of get the notion that it's possible that we're, if we're going to be one as a bit of a default, but then we're probably the exact opposite if we're going to be one. It, say, I don't know, uh, if if these were adjacent, if you could imagine them in a circle, mm. I don't think we would move left or right so much as we would move exactly the opposite. Like right. somebody who's very dominant at work, probably more sub either dominant at home or submissive at home, yeah. right? I don't think you would go to work and be a shark and then come home and be an owl and sort of be this wise old sit back and observe what's happening and, and be the, this sort of overarching wisdom piece. I don't think you'd go from a shark to an owl so much as you would go from shark to teddy bear or vice versa. That feels more natural to me. Yeah, that's a good point too. I mean, it does feel like some of these are quite natural sort of opposites to each other and others perhaps less likely or plausible opposites. And you do hear examples of, of the sort of the guy who's an incredible shark at work and will fight tooth and nail for everything and then goes home and is passive and very with uh, a real withdrawer, for example, yeah. or a real teddy bear um, and sort of, yeah, exercises both ends of that spectrum in different contexts. Mm. Do you ever look at when you get in a situation like this and you have an emotional reaction, you go, whoa, why did I just, you know, shark like that? Or why did I roll over and be the teddy bear? It's not what I wanted because that question of, well, what do I want here really is the core of all this. Yeah, I do. And it, it's surprising how instinctive um, some of this stuff can be um, uh -huh. to the point where you have already sort of slid down the mountain of being a shark way before you realize you have. Um, and I do think there is an unconscious driving force sometimes that um, that kicks into play, particularly in things like intimate relationships, um, where we are often acting from the unconscious. Yeah, well, it, reacting, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, right? like, yeah. yeah and so uh, I was just in a conversation about worry, and so I'm sort of got predisposed to that notion right now as we have this conversation, but I noticed that in all of these scenarios – there always is an element of worry. 
right? That's that sort of that repercussions of the guilt and everything else, right? Like a shark, you know, typically is not about being in control. A shark is more about not being out of control. Yeah. Right? Um, and so on, like a fox being avoidant and skittish. Uh, so you can see the worry present itself there, right? An owl maybe is sitting back, not getting involved because they want to create certainty before they get involved. So you sort of see, and the turtle obviously is is probably the, the easiest of the hide-in-the-shell metaphors. So it is interesting to see that it really comes from an underlying situation. You spoke of the, you know, the ex stepping into the life. That to me screams worry and fear, right? Like you're worried about something, losing connection, um, more breakdown. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I do think that maybe at the heart of all of these is a sort of fear defense or worry defense, as you say, like the shark is afraid that if they don't aggressively defend their goals, Mm-hmm. They won't be realized. Um, mm-hmm. The turtle is afraid that if they do engage in any conflict of any kind, it won't end well. So uh, the teddy bear is afraid that if they do stand up for their goals, that will have a terrible consequence. I, I do oh. think fear is a driving force. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's an attachment, isn't it? That's so cool. Yeah. Um, um, okay. So how do we overcome this? I mean, obviously, what do I want? I want to have, if I'm, if I'm the person that you spoke of, your friend that had the the dog and the X on the text message. What do you want? Well, I want a healthy, loving relationship with this person. What does that look like? Uh, how do we get to that place? Cause that is the, what do you want at work? Well, I want to look forward to going to work and I want to succeed at work and I want to make lots of money and I want to be able to enjoy my coworkers and I want everyone else to succeed. So how do we, how do we get there, Sam? How do we get to this place of that? What do we want this conflict resolution piece to sort of break through all these? Is it just about being aware of it? I think that's probably, I mean, you could easily look at it and some people will often say, well, I just want to be an owl and that will solve all my problems. But I, it mm-hmm. won't, I don't think, for the for the reasons we just talked about, if you are in a work environment where you've got a shark, a turtle, a teddy bear, that can be exhausting um, to try to resolve conflict with all of those people. It's like dealing with really challenging others. Um, and, and that's that takes an awful lot out of you. So I don't think the resolution is just always be an owl and everything's okay. Partly, you can't control other people, for one thing. So whoever you encounter, you won't be able necessarily to control their um, conflict style. Um, mm-hmm. So you can't really, a bit like a wrestler, you can't really um, predict what you're going to face um, from others. So the only thing you can be in control of is yourself. So I, th- I think awareness is probably a really important starting point and awareness of your own tendencies and awareness of the sort of um, the patterns that you can get stuck in and the hot buttons that you have. But that's much easier said than done. In things like relationship counseling, it's always about both people. Um, And so it really is a sort of process where both people's conflict resolution styles are going to need to be worked on for the relationship to improve. Um, Mm -hmm. One person person can't, can't carry it so yeah often it's relational and so an individual can't can't carry all that our guest here chatting about conflict and helping us understand different personality types inside conflict um this is interesting stuff sam carr joins us he's from the university of bath in the uk and i'm trying to say it properly and uh i appreciate this there's more to come hey shift show and a calm relationship discussions compromising carefully listening are necessary as is agreeing to disagree sometimes agreement agreeing and an agreement are different 
right? They're distinctly different. So is, you know, disagreeing and uh, being out of agreement. They're very distinctly different. Another text says, what is the difference between a conflict or a grudge? Is it because a grudge lasts longer and is uh, and that a conflict gets resolved quickly? Well, they're the same thing. Grudge is just unresolved conflict, right? I would say in more cases, as described by our guest, we live with grudge more than conflict. Carrying the burden, he described it, carrying it on us. We carry that unresolved conflict with us. In our relationships, out of our relationships, all of those things... There's more to be learned. What if we could take some of the pressure off? What if we could help us understand what is conflict and how do we live in it? In fact, we will get into what kind of conflict person I am. How do I live it? How does he live it? We'll find out how Ryan lives it too. So maybe you can text in which animal you think are according to this. Are you a shark? Are you a teddy bear? Are you a fox? Are you an owl or are you a turtle? More to come. It's The Shift. This is the Shift Podcast. What is conflict, conflict resolution, and what type of fighter are you? Sam Carr is our guest, University of Bath, and we are talking about different ways that we react to situations and different ways that we deal with them when we have conflict in our lives. Yeah. So agreement is the fundamental broken piece in most of these situations. Um, you know, we have an agreement that we're in a relationship together. Therefore, I feel like you're stepping outside the relationship. Uh, we have an agreement that we're going to be cohesive at work and you're being a shark and being a jerk and overbearing. And I don't feel like it's a safe place to work anymore. Um, you know, usually it's a breakdown of agreement. How do we get through that part, Sam, when we look at, you know, the agreements of what we have, because agreements also change over time. So it's not safe to say that just because we agreed that this is the way we were doing things five years ago, doesn't mean it still applies the same way today. So how do we, how do we navigate that? Cause like you said, in the couples counseling, you have two different people that might have two different views of an agreement and that becomes very problematic. Yeah. And, and I do think sometimes, um, going back to the old phrase, we sometimes have to agree to disagree. Um, and we can do that amicably sometimes. That's not impossible to do. Um, but I think that that has to be built into the ethos of like an organization or a relationship. How can we hold the fact that sometimes we disagree um, and we can agree to do that? But I don't think we do that very well as humans. Certainly not in groups or in dyads. No. Is that we're selfish or are we scared? <laughs> That's a big maybe, question. It's a great question. Um, I would argue maybe both. <laughs> maybe both. Maybe that's it, right? Maybe that is what it is. Maybe selfish is just scared and is, not acknowledged. Is being scared. Yeah, maybe. Oh, that's interesting. All right. So we want to have have healthy relationships. How do you uh, how do you overcome the? You texted your ex. How do you overcome that? Well, once the conflict has happened. Um, you, especially if it's like in that particular example, I gave you a sort of shark frenzy where people are getting bitten and hurt and insulted and wounded, and um, it's going to leave a lot of blood. Um, you then have to mop that up. And um, there is a cost to conflict. Every conflict and how it plays out has a cost attached to it. And um, if you imagine being in a relationship like that and that happens 
six or seven times a week, you get this sort of accumulative damage um, in relation to respect, trust, uh, feeling safe, feeling like you can express your emotions. Um, and often you will see couples go into therapy, for example. They've, there's so many of those incidents have occurred and they haven't even thought about going into therapy or, so, or, or something until mm -hmm. thousands of these instances have, have occurred and the damage has been, well, you're way down the track. Yeah, it's a bowl of spaghetti at this point, Absolutely. right? To figure out it's what a, you're even talking about. Yep, and then and then you've got to mop up all the consequences of the previous conflict and begin to think about how you might approach these things in the future. Um, and so, and that's where you see most couples entering therapy because the damage has been done. So, if there's a cost, I like the way you've described that. I've never thought of it that way before. If there's a cost to conflict. Mm. So breakdown has happened. There's obviously a disagreement. The other partner might not realize there's disagreement yet, but there's disagreement. And so uh, conflict is going, well, it's happened because it's friction. You're experiencing friction. And so now you've got to get in front of it. If you evaluate the cost, wouldn't that perhaps set you up intentionally to go into the conversation differently? If your habit is to go in as a shark or a teddy bear, if it matters to you, you might choose to go in as the owl and say, I'm going to go in wise and prepared. And then if I have to strike, I have to strike, you know, and get my point across. Um, you, you might actually change the box you approach this from. If you ask yourself that question, well, what is the cost of this conflict if I'm not careful here? Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. So you're kind of looking at the potential outcome um, before you you enter into the fray, so to speak. Yeah, I think that could be very important, and you should know that because most of us have experience enough to know what the, the likely consequence is going to be for us and the other, and the relationship. So, with you know um, your career, uh, Sam Carr's reader in education with Psychology and Center for Death and Society, University of Bath. So the that question really is important. That's the key of all of it. Really, is what do you want? Because if we don't often, you speak of couples coming in when it's too late, if you will, or too far down the tracks. Mm. Um, we often don't ask ourselves the question, well, what do you want here? Because you might not actually care. I might actually care about the garbage bag, right? Yeah, yeah, the sure. trash bag outside. Mm -hmm. You might not actually care about the texting the ex. Yep. It might be actually, I find that you're spending too much time at work and I'm starting to feel insecure about we're not connecting as often anymore. Mm -hmm. And we, we def deflect and distract and it becomes an access point to a conversation that we don't even realize we want to have. Yeah. So we don't ask ourselves that question very often, do we? It's possible we're not even talking about the same thing by the time we get to this point. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. And, and I suppose that goes back again to simple communication with each other, being open, being honest um, with ourselves, with the other person, um, which we don't do very often. It's surprising how, how much goes unspoken in relationships. Um, in the name of what, I'm not sure. Fear, maybe mm. again, maybe it's fear. Again, as, as you mm. mentioned earlier, why do we not? Why are we not open about what we're afraid of? Um, the vulnerability attached to that is pretty significant, I think. Adding to that, we don't speak of things, but when we do, we tend to we tend to take it as a contract, right? So, well, you said you like uh, going for a bike ride. Therefore, you always like going for a bike ride when things change over time. So not only in a relationship with our partners, 
to be able to say, hey, by the way, I like or don't like that. I guess we need to reserve the right that it might change. Yeah. But then that comes that duty in the relationship. If it changes, then again, you have to share yourself again. You've got to have the space to get it wrong, I guess, is really what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. I would completely the space agree. to change. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Wow. It's fascinating. When you break it down that way and you get into these different sort of default ways of being, it's not, I guess it's not written in the stars, is it? If you really want to get cosmic about it, you have every opportunity again and again. Like you said, these conflict moments happen throughout the day and you have every opportunity throughout the day to not default into these scenarios. That is true. I think for the rest of our lives, unless we're like a literal hermit, we are gonna we are going to experience interpersonal conflict yeah one way or another it will arise and arise and arise again so at least we have as you say a chance to redeem ourselves to change to reclaim something over and over and over again okay here's the big hippie question because you're on the radio with shane hewitt and i always have a big hippie question (laughs) is the conflict really with the other person or is it with yourself Great question, I think. Um, On some levels, the the challenge to yourself is simply accepting that this other person is a separate individual from me with with very different perceptions of this situation, potentially. And I need to accept that that's the truth. And I, I think that's very hard sometimes to do especially Mm -hmm. in a relationship where you want the other to read your mind frequently or to keep you safe or not to make you afraid or to protect you, uh, which they can't always do impeccably and won't always Mm. do impeccably. Mm. Um, What is your default then of these categories of animals? Mine's probably owl. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think I would like to say mine's an owl, but it's not. I think my default is actually more likely to be a turtle, um, mm. actually, if I'm honest. Yeah. A little avoidant. Yeah, that's great. I think it's awesome. I mean, that's for me is that I look at conflict as something that needs to be solved. And, you mm. know, I wait and I observe and I'm, you know, educate myself and then I solve the problem. Mm. And so, yeah, that's absolutely my default. I would never have thought of it that way before. And do you find, do you ever find that that is exhausting for you? Oh, absolutely. I think it comes with, uh, I don't allow myself the freedom to be present, just present to it. Right. Right. Um, and there's an attachment to righteousness that comes with it. If I'm really going to expose my heart, there's an attachment to righteousness. There's, um, feeling smart, feeling like I belong, feeling like I'm valued. And I can, I mean, we're very open about the way our experience of things here is I have a storyline that I tell myself around friends and family, my kids too, that you only call me when you need me. Mm. And so isn't that a fit with what an owl is? <laughs> yeah, right? I guess, I, absolutely. Yeah, that's very well yeah. fit. And so it's just a storyline that I tell myself, and I'm very good at that being an owl part, but I rob myself. The impact of being an owl is I rob myself of the ability to just be present to the situation and enjoy it for what it is, not have to figure it out. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can completely understand that. Yeah. What's the impact for you then of being a turtle? It comes from a place probably of I don't want the other to be disappointed. So I don't want to tell them 
that I don't um I don't accept their their opinion or I don't I don't agree with what they say or I can't give them what they want. Um there's an element of that, but I don't have the strength um to to give up, I don't have the weakness maybe to give up on my own goal either. So given that sort of bind, I'm just I'm just gonna be paralyzed in sort of a in my shell. Um Yeah. I That's amazing. Okay, so yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Did you want to finish your and, thought? And or? the consequence of that is simply, well, like I said, the consequence of the of the turtle tends to be it doesn't get resolved, and nobody's nobody's a winner. Hmm. Okay, so since we're, you know, being as raw as we can be, I think yeah. in this conversation, which is great, I have this belief system here on the show and in everything I stand for is when men learn how to speak to men, that's when we change our relationships with women and children. Mm. People often say, I want to have better relationship with my children. I want to have better relationship with my wife. Well, you know how you do that? You learn how to speak to the brothers around you completely differently. That's mm. where it starts. That's your practice. And so I feel like in this situation, we have, we started with, you know, this playful look at this and we've sort of found uh, the way in this have you found in this conversation though that you've been a turtle or have you been free of that because i feel that i have not been an owl while there's elements of owl i have not been an owl and i've been able to just be with this conversation to take it to that place of where my stand is do you feel like you've been able to accomplish that yeah i think i've been able to well being a turtle the essence of it is i don't express anything but in this yeah. conversation i've expressed a lot um, I've I've been quite vulnerable in admitting, yeah, certain things about myself that Me too. a turtle doesn't do. Um, so yeah. So there you go. Allow that to be maybe be the evidence that when you surround yourself with people and you listen and you get engaged in honest conversation, a lot of those walls or boxes, or in the case of the shell, um, they they immediately start to break down naturally. Mm. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's wild. Sam, this is enlightening. It's awesome. And um, I feel like I met a friend today. So great. Thank you. Me too. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with. 877-399-9898. Got a weed song? Feel free to text it in. You can also share your thoughts about. Um, about these little stories we have here. Are you okay with lions? Lions, the king of the jungle. Uh, my mom can attest that I, I wish I knew the number. She will, she will know that I would force her to watch Lion King with me like once a day when I was really young. It was my most watched movie. I haven't seen it in probably like 15 years i should probably do that but uh, no thanks to lion king uh, the music the animation all that i think lions the real life things are pretty amazing creatures and uh we should definitely respect them and leave them the hell alone because they'll rip your face off <laughs> fair enough uh very good point fair enough um i have a really great lion thing for when this is done I also don't watch TikTok often, but I did randomly see a video today uh, that was that some guy, he was eating his supper and he found a jalapeno yeah. uh, in his supper, but it was more like a long chili. Anyway, he 
lifted it up in the air and put it on his nose. He was like, jalapeno. Spicy, spicy. Yeah, like your uh, Lion King. Anyway, uh, King of the Jungle and Disney movies. Lions are often found in Africa, in the occasional zoo as well, right? But a woman in Ontario found a lion in a rather unusual place, which basically means not in Africa or the zoo. She found a lion in her backyard. The video, taken outside Jungle Cat World Wildlife in Orano near Clarington, never heard of Orano, um, is circulating through various channels. It appears to show a passerby walking her dog and coming across a lion behind the fence. A viral video circulating on TikTok is sparking safety concern, showing a lion meters away from this passerby and her dog. Um, shown in the video, we don't know which enclosure it escaped from or how it escaped, um, but the, closure, the enclosure that is within the video, that is an enclosure that we've critiqued before because of the low fences, uh, because of the lack of secondary uh, safety measures, and it's not a large enclosure. There's also an animal welfare aspect that we're concerned about, uh, but public health and safety cannot be underestimated. Like a lion escaping can easily lead to a fatal accident. The video posted on Friday was taken outside of Jungle Cat Wildlife Park in Orno. Michelle Hammer with World Animal Protection Organization says lions can jump as high as 12 feet and need additional safety measures, such as an overhang at the top of the fence. A report published by the organization last year evaluated the enclosure seen in the video. One of the enclosure, actually the enclosure that is visible in that video, um, is critiqued by us because of uh, the lack of uh, appropriate height, the lack of a barrier that will pretend the lions to climb over the fence. Okay. Um, yes to all of the things with the fence. Yeah. Okay. If why the why Orono, you know they could have just said just east of Oshawa or west of Port Hope. They could have even said by Newcastle, and I would have been like, okay, over there, <laughs> it's just north of the four hundred one. There's there's always a zoo in the middle of nowhere. There's one in nowhere. BC uh, that I'm trying to remember. It had tigers. Uh, that was like we used to i feel like we, we would pass by it on our way to prince george when i was a kid and it was in the middle of nowhere in the mountains it's just like oh there's lions in there so it yeah. just seems like it's what an innisfail of all the North places too. thing yeah you could have a tame the tiger experience yeah feed the tigers it's kind of cool um yeah. but like even clarington is smaller than newcastle it's like a dot on the map compared to bowmanville which is right next door <laughs> I don't know any of these places at all. And I lived in Ontario for like six yeah. years. Yeah. Well, these ones I do. I just didn't know Orano. Okay, there we go. Now, hey, oh, uh, just so you know, a uh, really great thing um, that we have coming up, if you missed it earlier on the podcast, about are you a teddy bear or are you a shark? Well, we've talked a lot about um, Ted Lasso. And in Ted Lasso, lions is an under under woven theme through the show in the new season they start talking about lions or pandas it's how the show started are you a lion or are you a panda and uh it's one of the best parts of the show and if you don't know it here is a little clip i gotta hear jono of the lion or a panda from the very beginning of ted lasso which makes a reappearance of uh in season three solid entrance 
What would you rather be, a lion or a panda? I don't have time for this. Okay. Ted. Gotta go panda. Are you mad? Pandas are fat and lazy and have piss-stained fur. Lions are powerful and majestic and rule the jungle. Try telling that to an elephant. Ooh, could I be an elephant? Mm-mm, lion or panda? Panda. Lion! What's black and white and red all over? I don't know what. A panda that gets anywhere near a fucking lion. The answer is lion. Hi, babe. Hey, Jamie, what would you rather be? A lion or a panda? Coach, I'm me. Why would I want to be anything else? I'm not sure you realize how psychologically healthy that actually is. Cheers. Mm. <laughs> Night, Gordon. Definitely lion. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, so uh, this we have a bit of a theme here with the lions and the pandas and the sharks and the teddy bears on the shift. Make sure you check out our podcast. Uh, there you go. Now, in this particular lion story from Orono, uh, Global reached out to Jungle Cat World Wildlife Park for an official statement, but it declined. However, the owner stated they are denying all allegations surrounding the video, including that the lion was outside of its enclosure. They repeatedly said they take care of their animals and their enclosures are to standard. World Animal Protection said it's in the process of filing a complaint with Durham Regional Police, as well as the Paws Inspectorate. Fancy words tonight on Mail It In Friday. Fancy words. What is this? Yeah. Anyway, I hope the kitty's okay. Still a dog guy, gotta say. Um, Are you okay with kids having kids? Are you okay with having kids? Uh, Yes. Principle of it, absolutely. A couple of my friends are now trying, which is um weird good for them uh it's one day weird, for natural, me right it, i know it's natural it's just it's like you get to that point you're like oh yeah high school was 10 years ago oh we're there now okay uh so yeah good for them for me you know we'll get there but uh we'll figure out some other stuff first <laughs> except the rest of us that are like i've been out of high school longer than i was ever in high school <laughs> or twice as long so there's that so that does bring in this question then, having kids when you're young like you, one thing. Are you okay with having kids when you're old? Ooh, that's tough because, I mean, there's lots of people that do it. And uh, I think the the consequence, though, is that, you know, your grandparent, you don't, you know, you don't really get your kids wouldn't get to meet you as a grandparent or something like that. Mm. And uh, I think of like Jeff Goldblum, who is one of my idols and icons. I love Jeff Goldblum. He is in his late 60s, early 70s. And he like had a kid three years ago. Uh, mm. So, you know, that that I don't ever see myself being in that kind of a situation. But uh, there are people that make it work. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who had a baby at 60. Yeah. Which seems old. Um, it does. And it... Um, well, he's going to be 78 when his son graduates. That does seem, that seems old for, old. for babies. That seems, for, yeah, I, for kids. that feels tired to me. I just, that makes me feel tired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, given the <laughs> chance to do it all over again, though, after what I know now at almost 50, I would say I would love the chance to do it all over again. That's for sure. With the right person. Mm-hmm. Like, not just, like, randomly, here's the baby. Like, you got to have the right 
partner in that. Anyway, uh, how about this for a record? A turtle named Mr. Pickles, <laughs> which is ironic, uh, is gaining worldwide attention after becoming a dad at the age of 80. Congratulations, Mr. Pickles. Oh. Sorry, uh, that's a typo. He's actually 90. He's At 90 the age of so. 90. Oh, my goodness. Last Thursday, the Houston Zoo in Texas announced that their oldest resident welcomed three cleverly named hatchlings, Jalapeno, Gherkin, and Dill, with Mrs. Pickles, his 53-year-old mate. Fox 35 spoke with Mr. Pickles' zookeeper. Yeah, it wasn't for a lack of trying. He uh, he gets to work quite often, um, <laughs> but the soil out here is so hard and compact. We get a lot of rain, so it's not ideal for incubating the eggs out here. We have had a baby hatch out here, ooh, twenty something years ago on accident. Hence his name, Fluke. Um, but this is his first offspring. Oh, on accident. That's a millennial thing. Um. The Pickle Pair have been partners for almost 30 years, ever since Mrs. Pickles came to the zoo in 1996. <laughs> he gets to work quite often. <laughs> well done, sir. Way to go, Mr. Pickles. Being a first-time dad is just the latest update on Mr. Pickles' impressive resume. He's also considered the most genetically valuable radiated tortoise in the Association of Zoos and Aquarium Species Survival Plan. Holy crap, that's a long title. Yeah, these are actually a critically endangered species, and he is the uh, first animal represented in the stud book. Their uh, genetic valuable, they are extremely genetically valuable mm -hmm. um, because he has never been represented before. We want to have the purest bloodlines as possible within the population so that there's no inbreeding. Um, and he's now kind of helped out with that. Well done, Mr. Pickles. And while the zoo calls their newest additions a big deal, <laughs> it says the trio will remain behind the scenes until they're big enough to join their parents, Mr. and Mrs. Pickles. High five. Good work, Mr. Pickles. Way to stick to it. It's a great story. Oh, it's a great story. It really is a great story. Hmm. I don't have time for one more. We have time for one more. You can do the pizza one, but you have to, you can't won't have time for the last clip. Ah, oh, we're not doing it then. I'm saving it for Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, you have to say it's spent really too much good. time looking up the Orno on the map. <laughs> we got lost show. in the middle of in the, is it in the middle of nowhere in Ontario? No. It's no. just off the four oh one, surrounded by much bigger cities. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.